All right, Psalm 147 and 148. If you're new or visiting, we're about ready to wrap up the book of Psalms. This is study number 88, I believe. Is that what it is, Jim? Study number 88? I think that's what it is. So it's been a blessing. It's been huge. We're going to go into the book of Acts. If you'd like to start reading ahead, we're going to go into the book of Acts after the book of Psalms here. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we just continue in our worship of you by opening your word, this love letter. It's just amazing, Father, that you would love us, sinful people, and that you would care for us, and that you would desire to send your Holy Spirit to even dwell within us. Your Holy Spirit as a believer, and only as a believer, Your Holy Spirit literally dwells within us. Father, we thank you and praise you for that tremendous blessing. And so, Father, we ask right now for your Holy Spirit who dwells within us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That we wouldn't let the enemy bring anxiousness or worry of this past week or month or year remembrance that we would take every thought captive of what we're going to be doing the rest of the day and we'd focus right now on your word that would give you these few precious moments in eternity that we might learn more about you and how much you do love us and how worthy of praise you are father i pray for the gift of teaching and that you will be glorified through your word this morning in jesus name Amen. Amen. So Psalm 147. Well, you know, here we are wrapping up the Psalms over the next few weeks. We should be able to wrap it up next week. And and what do we find? Well, here's a condensed version of the current situation. After hundreds of years, after hundreds of years of being established as a nation, Israel had lost everything. Now, even think of this in your mind relating to every major empire. Because this has happened to every major empire. And it's happening to America today. Israel lost everything due to idolatry. Idolatry. Anything that we lift up above God, it becomes an idol. If God is second place, third place, fourth place, it's become an idol. Whether it's a mate or our children, our career, our hobbies, our whatever it might be. That now becomes our idol, and that's called idolatry, plain and simple. God sent prophets calling on the nation to repent. The whole nation was removed from the land and taken into captivity by various nations, though, due to unrepentance. And maybe you're here today and you don't have Jesus as your Savior. That word repent, which is not used very much in churches anymore, might offend somebody. I'd rather offend you to heaven than love you to hell. Repent means to turn. To turn from what you're doing. You're a sinner. You need to become a saint. So you turn to God. Unfortunately, even as saints, we can find ourselves sinning. Anybody sin this past week? Did anybody sin this past week? You stinking sinners. (laughs) Even as saints, we need to repent and say, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, God, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have looked at that. I'm sorry. You want to have a very short list with God. And he forgives. Praise God. Then after 70 years of captivity in Babylon, the two northern tribes, the ten northern, two southern tribes, the ten northern tribes have been taken off the land to Assyria. They were finally allowed to go home to rebuild Jerusalem. It was then that the Jews incorporated the last 54 songs. We've been studying them. The last 54 songs of the Psalms in the hymnal book number five. And so we're actually finishing, studying and finishing hymnal book number five of the Psalms. And as we studied last week and we'll see next week, the readers are called to praise the Lord. You'll notice in 146, if you look back at Psalm 146, what does it start out with? What does it start out with? What does it end with? What does Psalm 147 start out with? What does Psalm 147 end with? What does Psalm 148 start with? What does Psalm 148 start uh, end with? What does 49 start with? What does it end with? How about 150? What does it end with? I think we're supposed to praise the Lord here. eh? (laughs) Praise God. You know... It seems kind of strange. Now, as, you, as I just did that really short, it seems kind of strange. Yet again, we want to remember the big picture that God doesn't give up on his kids. Got a slide. You see, God called them to repentance. He allowed them to reap what they had sown. This still flies to today, guys, for you and me as believers. This is still applicable. And again, we don't know who wrote these last five psalms. It sounds a lot like David. And if it was David, that's 2,500 years ago. No, I'm sorry. 3,000 years ago that they were written. 2,500 years ago that they were brought together in hymnal 5. He used pagans to help correct them. And he removed them from their land. Here's the key. But he didn't give up on them. And if you're here today... And you find yourself in that place of unrepentance. He's not giving up on you and he never will give up on you. But remember, Galatians says, do not be deceived whatsoever a man sows or a woman. Whatsoever a believer sows, that shall he reap. If we sow to the flesh, we'll reap corruption. If we sow to the spirit, we will reap the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Still applicable to today. Let's look at Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. You have a plaque possibly in your house with one of these verses in it. You see, coming to grips with that fact, we've been off the land, now we get to go back to the land. They incorporated these five final songs of praise to remind everyone, everyone, believer and unbeliever, That no matter what happens, God's in control and has a plan. God is in control and has a plan. Jeremiah 29.10 For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon. So this is prior to the captivity. Jeremiah, one of the last prophets to warn, to warn, to warn. Uh, I believe it was 40-year ministry that he was trying to warn people, and they didn't. They stopped. They didn't stop. They just kept on idle, 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 idle. Who cares about this guy? Let's kill this guy. I'm tired of hearing this guy. 
But he survived. He survived even Nebuchadnezzar. But before they're taken into captivity, Jeremiah prophesies, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. And notice these capitalizations here. So in other words, God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. And cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Now, this is where the plaque comes in, right? Some of you have this plaque in your house. And some of you have no idea what the background is. You're reading the background right here. After hundreds of years of being a nation, and then hundreds of years of idolatry, of idol worship, God finally says, enough, enough, you're done. You didn't learn when the ten northern tribes were taken off the land. You should have known that. But because you think you have the temple, the temple, we have the temple. Nothing's bad's going to happen to us. Even though we put idols in the temple, we've got the building. We've got the building. Doesn't matter what we teach because we've got the building, right? No, it does matter. And God is disciplining his children. And God will discipline his church because judgment begins at the house of God. So we want to stay in the word of God. We want to stay true to his word. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, as they're being hauled off to Babylon, do you think they had this plaque in their house? They're probably going, I thought you said we had a future and a hope. We're going to Babylon. Well, you should go to Babylon. You're being disciplined. And Uncle Neb's going to do the discipline. As well as some other kings. But there's a plan. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with some of your heart. Does your Bible say some of your heart? See, even as a country, and and I'm grieved over our country, but I say with the word of God, we're not one nation under God. It may be on our money, but that's not a fact. As a nation, we're not seeking after God. That's a fact. But there is a remnant of people that are seeking after God. And I want to be a part of that remnant, and I believe you do as well. So we can't do it half-heartedly. We can't do it three-fourths of the way. We can't say, God, I'll give you everything but my finances. Because, you know, I I don't know if there's going to be social security. So i got to protect my finances. (laughs) You don't even know if there's going to be a stock market tomorrow. What do you know? What do I know? I know that God's on the throne. And if he fed three million Jews, Israelites, in the wilderness for 40 years with no circle case, no super Walmarts, no targets, no bashes, no fries, none, none of that, I think he could take care of me without my social security, without my 401k, I think he can take care of me. Now, I'm planning. I've got all that in place. But if it goes away, praise God. He's got something else in store. He's got something else in store. Make sure that you're focused on eternity. And seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to a place from which... I cause you to be carried, which I cause, notice that, from the place which I, I, God allowed them to be carried away captive.
because of their disobedience. Not that God wasn't strong enough to keep them there. No, God said, no, 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 you need to go. I cause you to be carried away captive. So back in Psalm 147, there's a little bit of background. Praise the Lord! For it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Again, the last five songs in the book of Psalms exhorts the reader on what to do with their life. Give the praise that God alone deserves. Give it to Him. It's not always easy to do, as we've mentioned many times in the Psalms. But something that every believer should be seeking after, again, with half of our heart, with all of our hearts. And what is the one way that a believer can give God the praise? By singing songs about His character, His attributes, His goodness, and His faithfulness, including new songs. And I know sometimes people get bent out of shape about a new song. What song are we in right now? What's the number that we're in right now? Bless you. 147. So 147 was a new song. What was wrong with the 146? Well, I really like Psalm 23. Why don't we sing Psalm 23 anymore? Because we're on Psalm 147. It's a new song. And there's been thousands, millions of new songs since this time of this song being written. And they're good songs. So don't get hung up with the song. Focus on the lyrics, focus on the theology, and allow God to transform your heart. You see, it's interesting that one of the definitions of good in this verse, here's one of the definitions of good. Notice in verse 1, therefore it is good to sing praises to our God, is welfare and benefit. It's one of the definitions, welfare and benefit. And even doctors today have found To be singing songs, uplifting songs, is very beneficial to your health. Listen to sad songs, listen to depressing songs, listen to songs that are talking about kill a cop, kill a cop, kill a cop. Not good for your health. Not good for your mental health, not good for your physical health. Now you might not be listening to to songs that are that extreme, but those songs are out there. That's just reality. And so we have to be careful what we're listening to because music is very, very powerful and it can have a very powerful influence in an individual's life. You see, in simplicity, what we listen to, as far as speech, as far as talk shows, (laughs) radio, listening to the news, I just can't imagine listening to Fox News for eight or ten hours a day. I just... Ten minutes is enough for me. What we listen to can draw us closer to or actually move us away from what? From God's principles. And guys, that's why we're here today to be encouraging God's principles. But not just today. As you do your daily devotions throughout the week, what are you looking for? You should be looking for God's principles. What are those and how can I apply them via the Holy Spirit into my life to help somebody who's going to hell see that there is a God who loves them? We're ambassadors for Christ. We're not ambassadors for a certain music group. We're not ambassadors for a political group. We're ambassadors for Christ. And those other things, you know, that's fine. But they take second fiddle 
or third or fourth or fifth. God needs to be number one. We need to stay focused on Him and His ways. Why does that happen? Well, because not only do we hear the words of the song, but they penetrate into... Did you guys ever say that as you were a youngster? When your parents said to you, I don't want you listening to that trash. I don't listen to the words. I just like the beat. Anybody ever hear, say that or hear that from somebody? Time to grow up. It's time to grow up because boy, we knew what we were, we knew we were lying. We heard the words and they penetrate into our hearts and the words will come out of our mouths. They just do. Songs that give praise, that give God the praise he deserves are beautiful. Why are they beautiful? Because they focus on the eternal. They focus on the eternal. The world's praise is just the opposite. It focuses on the temporal. It focuses on the temporal. And what would the enemy of our soul like us to focus on as believers? The eternal or the temporal? The temporal. So I encourage you to make a commitment to focus on the eternal and listen to music that will help you do just that because God is worthy of our praise as we're seeing in these last five songs. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Notice that. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds or their sorrows. You know, it's Mother's Day and maybe you're having a hard time today for whatever reason it might be. You're, you might even be brokenhearted. That's okay. Take it to God. You see, as we have seen over and over again in the Psalms, God is very personal with His kids. He takes care of them in many ways. And in verse 3, it shows us that He knows. Notice there in verse 3. He knows what happens in our lives, not just mentally, I mean, not just physically, but mentally. Notice verse 3 there. He heals the brokenhearted. That would not, that would not be speaking of physical. That would be speaking of emotional or mental. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their sorrows. Again, in thinking about everything that the Israelites have been through, those who loved God and were still taken captive Think back now, 70 years prior, Jeremiah's prophesying, they were brokenhearted. You see, God knew that. They were following after God. Why do I have to go to Babylon? I wasn't worshiping idols. I think Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. Why do bad things happen to Christians? Were there any Christians in the Twin Towers? Yes, there were Christians. Why? Because that's that was their workplace. That's they went to work. And it was time to go home to, the, to their father. God is just. He knew that. He was with them. The Holy Spirit was with them. And God knows what's impacting your life today. Are you brokenhearted over something or someone today? You know, God knows that. And he will meet you right where you're at to help you through that time of sorrow. He will. He really will. He regathered the Israelites to their capital city, Jerusalem. And again, this was 2,400 years ago. 
Yes, Jerusalem was, is, and always will be the capital city of Israel. Just the way it is. Don't try to divide Jerusalem. So he regathered them to Jerusalem and he will gather you to him. It's called surrender though. It's that word. And when we finally surrender to his will, oftentimes we're broken hearted. Why are we broken hearted? Because we didn't get what we wanted. I want it my way. Okay, God? My will be done, not yours, on earth as it should be in heaven. No, it doesn't work that way. Then he can, then, then he can heal the brokenhearted. He's not going to kick down the door. He's not going to kick down the door. You have to surrender. I have to surrender. We have to say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 4, he counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. (laughs) That's amazing. How is that possible? How could God personally know about the various hurting people that are in this room this morning? Because you could be hurting this morning. And you might be sitting there even listening to this say, well, how could God know? Why would God even care? Show me. Prove it to me. Well, if you don't have a Bible, pick up a Bible. It's not too late. Open it to the Psalms, which is in the middle of the Bible, and start reading along. And you just heard how much God cares about you. I think there's a few billion stars, right? They're innumerable. Now, science has finally caught up with the Bible. The Bible said thousands of years ago that the stars are as the sand of the sea. Go out and try to count sand. You're not going to get very far. Science finally caught up with the Bible. But yet, we just read that God knows every, he he named every single one of them. That's impossible. Maybe for your God, for my God, because it's in the Bible, it's not. You're going to believe yourself or you're going to believe the Bible? Whichever one you believe, you put yourself, you put God in a box. And, And how big is that box? Or how little is that box? If your God is limited, then your God is limited. My God's not limited. It says that he numbers them, he counts them all. So, that's it. That's that's it. That's it. He knows them all by name. You see, maybe if we stop limiting God, bringing him down to the level of humanity, and that's what's taking place in our whole culture, because we don't understand or we think we do and we know better, then God doesn't know better. And so we bring God down to our level and just say, I know better than he does. I was created a female, but I know better. I feel like a male. And so you all need to pay for my surgery. No, it's time to grow up. God knows best. You're a female. You're a male. Go to the bathroom. Check it out. Done. End of conversation. It's that simple. But we know better. No, you don't. You're hurting yourself. Statistically, suicides are off the charts in homosexuality and in the transgender world. Is that because we won't accept them? No. It's because they've allowed the enemy to confuse them. 
And that confusion leads down a road of darkness and darkness and darkness and more darkness to that place where they're willing to remove God's gift from the earth. But we have the answer, guys. We can love them and lovingly speak the truth in love as we need to do. That's our responsibility as ambassadors for Christ. It's you and me. It's amazing what God allows us to do. You see, the all-powerful and all-knowing God of the universe, we can never bring him down to our level, and nor should we try to. If we would realize that and acknowledge that, it would cause us to proclaim the truth found in the next few verses, verses 5 and 6. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Infinite. Infinite is defined as without limits, boundless, applied to time, space, and qualities. God is infinite in duration, having neither beginning nor end of existence. And because we can't understand that, then we don't believe it, and we bring God down to our time realm. Well, guys, when we step into heaven, there's not going to be a clock. Don't go looking, don't be silly and go looking for a clock. There's no time in heaven. Nobody's going to come up and ask you, hey, when did you get here? Because there's no time in heaven. Heaven is eternity. So don't ask anybody. Let me give you a clue. Don't ask anybody that when you get there. What time did I just get? No, just, I've always been here. Praise God. I've always been here. He is also infinite in presence or omnipresent. That's how the Holy Spirit can be in every single believer in this room this morning, as well as around this earth. And his perfections are infinite. Finite, now speaking of you and me, we are finite, having a limit, limited, bounded, opposed to infinite, is a finite number, finite existence applied to this life. We say a finite being, finite duration. You see, all of us in this room, in heaven, our tombstone is already filled out. It's the birth, May 27th, 1960. It's the death, whenever that is. Right now, I'm living the dash. You are living the dash. God already knows when you're going to take your last breath because he is infinite. We are finite. We think when we, no, when we take our last breath, we determine our destiny. No, 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 no. God already knows that. Yes, we can, we can have a hand in that. But God knows the number of our breaths. We will never become God. We, but we will dwell in the presence of God. And our understanding of this life and the one to come is lacking in many ways. But one day we will take on our heavenly bodies with our heavenly brain. Praise God. And I'll have that heavenly memory. Praise God. It's going to be wonderful. And then we will realize just how powerful God really is. Not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. So again, how big is your God? What kind of box have you put him in? Is he in a little two by two by two inch box? 
No, he's in a two foot by two foot by two foot box. Oh, good. How about getting the lid off the box? How about kicking the sides off the box? There is no box. You can't put God in a box. And if you do, unfortunately, you're harming yourself, not God. Seven through nine. To the Lord with thanks, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God, who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains. He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens that cry. You see, once again, the psalmist looks to creation and acknowledges that there is a God who orchestrates the world. It's not that God created it and then he wound it up tight and said, okay, make it work. I'm out of here. And now it's all running on its own. That's the way atheists would like us to think it is, that there is no God and this world just ticking away or the agnostic or the whatever it might be, the evolutionist. No, no, creation. There is a God. He's intimately involved with our lives and this earth. He does not delight in verses 10 through 11. Speaking of God here, God does not delight in the strength of the horse. And in Queen Creek here, many of you know what that means. Horses are, jeez, a bunch of knuckleheads those things are. They are strong. What's, their, what's the size of their brain, Clint? Isn't anybody like the size of a walnut? That, that big animal has a brain the size of a walnut, and they act like that too. They're afraid of their shadows, some of them. It's amazing. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord, I have this highlighted in my Bible, so I would encourage you to highlight this. Young people, I encourage you to highlight this, because you're only going to be strong. If you're younger than 25 or 30, you're, you're climbing and you're getting stronger and you're developing muscles that you didn't even know you had and, and you're just gonna, your head's gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger and you're mentally, not physically, but mentally, and you're just gonna think you're gonna be able to take on the world. And then you're gonna realize, I can't take on the world. I'm limited. Well, the Lord takes pleasure in those who reverence Him. In those who reverence Him. In those who hope in His mercy. Notice that, guys. All of us, notice that. What does God take pleasure in? Our bodies are falling apart. That's just life. The older you get, I couldn't open a jar the other day. I'm like, where's the pliers? I had to get out the pliers to open a jar. Couldn't hand it to my wife. I know she couldn't do it. So I'm like, where are the pliers? It's just crazy. So since God created everything, what could an animal or a person do for him? The word pleasure here. Let's look at the word pleasure in verse 11. It means to be pleased with. Notice that. The Lord takes pleasure to be pleased with. Specifically, notice this definition here. In the Hebrew, specifically, to satisfy a debt. Hmm. To satisfy a debt. You know, I, I put this down as it's, it's popped into my mind, so I Googled it real quick and on YouTube and listened to the song. He paid a debt he did not owe, own. Speaking of Jesus. I owned a debt I could not pay. Okay, so thinking of Jesus and what he did on the cross, and because he's canceled all of our sins, he paid the debt he did not own. He never sinned. It wasn't his sin. It was my sin. I owned a debt 
I could not pay. So if you're trying to work your way to heaven, you're not going to get there. There's heaven, there's hell. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're saying, I don't need Jesus. I can do it on my own. God says, nobody to hell. You're saying, I'll take my chances and I'll go to hell. That's free will. I needed someone to wash my sins away, and now I sing a brand new song. That's for you and I, guys. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. He satisfied my debt. Praise God. It satisfied God. The cross, the death of his one and only son, satisfied God for you and for me. Because we have a debt that we can never pay. It's ours. But Jesus paid for it at the cross. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, verses 12 through 14. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest wheat. Notice two things there. God's wonderful protection and God's wonderful provision. The bars and the finest wheats. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He cast out his hail like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. In those verses there, we basically see God's wonderful provision through that simple product that we call water. There's water in those verses, throughout those verses. And it's called the water cycle. You see, water molecules are heated by the sun and turn into water vapor that rises into the air through a process called evaporation. Next, the water vapor cools and forms clouds through condensation. Over time, the clouds become heavy because those cooled water particles have turned into water droplets. When the clouds become extremely heavy with water droplets, the water falls back to earth through precipitation, rain, snow, sleet, hail, etc. The process continues in a cyclical cycle. But notice here, God's involved. Again, he just didn't wind it up and walked away. The water cycle is an extremely important process because it ensures the availability of water for all living organisms and regulates weather patterns on our planet. If water didn't naturally recycle itself, we would run out of clean water, which is essential to life. You see, God's design is fantastic. And he continues to regulate it or have his hand of power in it. Verses 19 and 20, he declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his judgments to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. As you're turning there, I'm going to read this again. He declares his word to Jacob. God gave us, mankind, the word of God. We didn't dream it up. We didn't make it up. God declared it to us. 
his statutes and his judgments to Israel. Well, in Deuteronomy 7, we read this. Why did God do it? Why did God give it to Israel? Well, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. Now, Moses is speaking to this possible three million people. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor chose you because you were more in number than any other people. So notice that you're super big. We're going to choose you. No, for you were least of all peoples. Matter of fact, I think it was one. Abraham, Abram, who was an Arab. But because the Lord loves you, there's the key. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the house of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You see, Moses was inspired to write the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, also known as the Pentateuch. And in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, we have these verses. Most of you may have these memorized. If not, I encourage you to write them down because people say, well, where did the Bible come from? A bunch of guys just got together and wrote it up. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's fact. And it's profitable for doctrine. So now the results of that, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, for you and I to live right lives with him. Not self-righteousness, righteousness. That the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm going to read 2 Peter 1, 19 and 21. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You see, God gave the word to the Israelites and they were to give it to the rest of the world. That was their responsibility. Did they do that? Unfortunately, no, they fell short. They fell short. But God's saving ways will not be stopped. For the last 2,000 years, he has been using Jew and the Gentiles of the world to give the word of God to anyone who would listen and receive. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2, 4, but God who is rich in mercy. God's rich in mercy. That's why he gave you and me the word of God. He doesn't want us trying to figure this out on our own, working really hard, praying really hard, going to church a lot, giving money, doing everything we can, crawl on glass, do whatever it takes. No, he's rich in mercy, guys. It's right here in his word. If you're having issues... Get into his word. He's rich in mercy. The answer's in the word. Stop looking everywhere else and go to the word of God. Because of his great love, which he loved us. Notice that past tense. Peter's writing this past tense. Peter finally has it figured out. God, Lord Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. No, Peter finally figured it out. It's not about me. It's not what I can do for God. It's what God can do through me. It's what God can do through me because he first loved me. 
That's who we serve. As we go back to Psalm 147, how does it finish? Psalm 148, how does it start? The heart of the psalmist explodes with praise in this psalm, and he is able to see God's handiwork in his creation. So he praises God for his creation. This is key as we read this. And what we're going to do is we're going to wrap this up. There's not a whole lot of commentary in this psalm, but as you read the psalm, you might think, oh, wow, animals can praise God. No, no. The psalmist is praising God for his creation. Nowhere in the Bible does it suggest that God dwells within every person or in everything. That's called panentheism, not pantheism. Pantheism, the second word there, is God's in everything and everything's in God. Yeah, this is God, this is God, everything. God's in everything and everything is God. That's pantheism. Panentheism, notice the E-N, so that would be in, that would be in like the Holy Spirit is in I N in the Greek it's E N the Holy Spirit's in us, so panthe pantheism is God's in the tree, God's in the podium, God's in the floor, God's in the cow, God's in the rat, God's in the roach, Ugh. God's in everything. Two different things, okay? So as you read this psalm, you could go, wow, God's in. These creatures. No, that's not, that's not what the Bible is saying. So I just want to make that clear up front. No, it's not. We are unique. We are made in the image of God, not the whale. So as we read this psalm, we want to make sure that we understand where the author is coming from and where we should be coming from as well. God's hand is in our lives and is involved in his creation. So we then should acknowledge that. We should acknowledge that. And give him the praise which he deserves. And that is simply what the psalmist is doing. He's not lifting up nature. He's not lifting up the creation above the creator. He's just acknowledging there is a creator who created all of this creation. And because of that, we should give him praise. So, Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all the hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princesses and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven, and he has exalted the strength of his people, the praise of all his saints. O children of Israel, a people near to him, praise the Lord. Guys, this is for you and me. As we get caught up in the craziness of this week, I really encourage you to slow down, 
Look around and give God praise for what you see. Praise Him for that car which you're about to start. And it starts. (laughs) Praise you, God. Thank you, God. Praise Him when you get home that you didn't get in a car accident. My wife was going to an appointment the other day. Uh, She got diverted into a neighborhood. She came back out. She said when she went in, there were people around the car. She could tell they were talking to somebody. When they came out, there was nobody around the car. And they were getting the jaws of life out. You just never know what's going to happen, guys. Praise God when you get to the place that you're planning to go to. Praise God for the mountains. We had uh, people over yesterday. Our, the pastors get together. And so we got together for fellowship yesterday at our house and did the zip line. And, and it's so much fun to do that zip line. But just standing up on the platform and, and pointing out certain things and just, just giving praise for the mountains and the things around you. Just develop that heart of praise. And you're going to see your whole attitude is going to change about this life. It's going to change. Your worst day is like, yeah, well, it's over. Praise God. I'm one day closer to going home. Praise you, Jesus. It's going to change. Just stay focused on eternity, guys. That's what the psalmist is showing us. Stay focused on eternity. Father, we thank you and praise you that we only have to go through this life once. Thank you, God. And we just thank you, Lord, that heaven awaits us, not because of what we have done for you, but because you are so rich in mercy and you loved us before the foundation of the world. You love this whole, you, you love every person on this earth right now. There is not a person alive that you don't love. You love every single person. But not every person loves you. Not every person acknowledges you. And so, Father, we thank you for opening our eyes, for touching our hearts as believers to acknowledge that you are real, that you are God. And, Father, giving us as believers your Holy Spirit, that we have that strength, that spiritual strength, that no matter what comes into our lives, we can say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit dwelling within us. You know, as the saints are praying, maybe you're with us this morning and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. There's people around you right now. There's believers around you right now that are asking the Holy Spirit to touch your heart, to touch your mind, to open your mind to the truth that that there is a God and that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. I mean, that's that's an awesome God. And so if you would like to receive Jesus this morning, you can do that. God loves you. Stop stiff-arming him. Stop pushing him away. People are interceding on your behalf right now that they that you would come into this love relationship that they have and have the peace that God wants to give you. But it's free will. And so if you would like to choose right now to receive Jesus as your Savior, then please make that decision. Make that choice right now. And just pray this prayer after me. It's not about the prayer. 
It's your heart. If you are sincere in your heart and you pray any prayer, God's going to receive you. So pray this prayer. God, I need you. I really do need you. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior. So God, I accept Jesus as my Savior right now. God, I invite the Holy Spirit into my life right now. I don't understand what that means. But I trust you will show me. I thank you, God, that I can now call you Father. My Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we just thank you for the free gift of salvation. Lord, if anyone prayed that, I pray that you would just bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, that they would get plugged into a good, solid, Bible-believing church, that they'll get a Bible and start reading this love letter. They'd start learning about you and how much you love them and care for them and you're going to take care of them. Father, for all of us as ambassadors for Christ, as we see the world crumbling around us and, and we see our nation, as so many nations in the past, giving into idolatry, thinking that you don't notice. Father, we stand in the gap, not for our nation, but for sinners. And we say, Lord, use our brothers and sisters in Christ. Use us this week to reach those sinners. For your son is coming back. There is an appointed second that he is returning for his bride, the church. He will not come early. He will not be delayed. He is returning at that exact second for his bride. Lord, we want to take more people with us. So use us this week for your glory, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We would love to pray for you guys. Have a blessed week. And again, if you would, there's these little tent cards, East Lobby. Just pick one up. Follow the simple instructions. God bless you guys. Have a great week.